gospel. We've been in this message series simply called Multiply because falls of Jesus Christ have been given by Jesus the ministry of multiplication. Jesus has changed us and done so much for us. We just aren't to keep them for ourselves because if Jesus is worth knowing and loving, and he is, can somebody say "Uh uh-huh? Since he's worth knowing and loving, then obviously he is worth sharing. Can I get a witness? Because Jesus has changed us and he's done so much for us, we can't help and ought not but help but tell others about how much he loves them because he does. We've learned in this series and it has been verified in our services. And I'm going to kind of just do this again this morning that 96% on average of the people in our country that become a follower of Jesus Christ do so because a friend or family member prayed for them and invited them to a worship experience like the one we're having now. And it was in that context that they said yes to the life and love of Jesus for the very first time. And again, 96% of the people uh, surveyed in America uh, who are Christ followers have illustrated that. We found that in our own services. But if that's you, just raise your hand and look around the room. Someone prayed for you, invited you to a church experience like ours. Come on, hold it up real high. That's awesome. Look around the room. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that what Jesus told us to do works. That should not be a surprise to us, right? He told us to do it. However, sadly, another survey that I recently came across said that 20% of people who are followers of Jesus Christ, only 20% of those people will invite a fellow believer to attend a church service at their church. Now, let me just on the outset say, our target group is not those who are already convinced, who are already part of a Bible-teaching church. We celebrate that. We praise God for that. We're all on the same team, so that is not growth when people leave one church and come into another church that local church numbers may grow but the church the body of christ has not grown that's called transfer growth and sadly that's much of what goes on in america and in the meantime the world is is without christ our nation is without christ and so that's not our target group our target group is those who jesus called us to reach and that is seeking to save those who are lost those who do not yet know of christ however Sometimes, as Christ followers, we meet people who once were involved in a Bible teaching church, maybe up north, they're a Christ follower, and they need a church home, and obviously we say, come on in, we welcome them, we're glad to have them, or they're new to the area, they move here from somewhere else, and they're looking for a church home, and we say, hey, come on, help us, we've got a big region here and world to reach for the hope of life of Jesus Christ, or perhaps occasionally there's someone who, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit is nudging them and prodding them to move away from where they are, that's cool too, and we welcome them, we're glad to have them, but all that said, only 20% in this study, a believers will invite another believer to their church, but it gets worse. Only 2% of people who are in this survey said that they are willing and do invite non-believers to attend their church with them. Only 2%, yet 96% of the people who say they became a follower of Christ did so because someone prayed for them and invited them to come. So that tells me that that's not good. I don't know about you, but at South Biscayne, I don't think it should be 2% or 5% or 10% or 20 or 50 or 70 or 80. I will not rest to 100% of us or 100% of the time inviting 100% of the people to come and to hear about the hope and life found in Jesus Christ every single week 
because there's so much opportunity right here in our own region. So we've got a job to do. Everybody say, we've got a job to do. But it's as simple as a personal invitation. And it starts with just one. Everybody say one. One. If you have a Bible, please open to John's Gospel, chapter 1. That's page 740 in the Bible in the seat tray in front of you. I could tell you story after story of people who I've had the joy of inviting one at a time here to our worship experiences who by God's grace for his glory have said yes to Christ. And some of us in the room can tell those same stories. And I've told some from time to time. I'll probably tell some more later. But today I want us to tell the story of one man who invited one. And that one man was used of God in ways that the one who invited the one would have never dreamed of or imagined. The Gospel of John is, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to us through the Apostle John, and he opens up by telling us all about Jesus, who Jesus is, and it's awesome. He also talks about John the Baptist, Jesus' first cousin, who came and preached about Jesus and the kingdom of God, and the Scripture records that one day while he was out preaching, he said, look, there he is, there's the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world, and when he said that, Two men standing there said, yeah, that's him. We want to follow him. Their names were Andrew and John. And we pick up the story here in chapter 1 and verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said. The other one is, is, is John. And again, that's, that's John who wrote this gospel, not John the Baptist. So, so they heard what John the Baptist had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now this morning, we're going to zero in on Andrew. Not a lot of people know about Andrew. He's not one of the most famous, perhaps, of Jesus' disciples. But yet, he really was used by Jesus in a huge way. And every time we see Andrew mentioned in the Gospel of John, he's bringing someone to Jesus. That's a great thing to be known for, is it not? I mean, to be, for it to be said when they bring up your name, oh yeah, he's always bringing people to Jesus. He's only mentioned nine times, if my study is correct, throughout the Gospels. But in the book of John, we see him bringing people to Jesus. He was a fisherman. And he introduced his brother Peter to Jesus. His name, Andrew, means manly. So, so this guy was a tough, rough fisherman. The fishermen of first century, man, these guys were dedicated and determined. And obviously, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and that's exactly what we're called to do. But in this context, we want to see Peter's, excuse me, Andrew's first fishing trip and look at what he did. The scripture says that the first thing Andrew did, verse 41, was to bring his brother Simon. The first thing. So that tells me, first of all, a lot about Andrew's or Andy's priorities. His priorities. I mean, he, the first thing he did after meeting Jesus was to go and bring his brother to Jesus. Now here's some context you might want to study more at a later time. But the preceding verses tell us how that after Andrew... And his brother John, or excuse me, how after Andrew and John became followers of Jesus Christ, that they spent time, they hung out with Jesus. So they had an extended visit with Jesus, extended hours of times, 
hanging out with Jesus. And because Jesus was so awesome and so wonderful, so incredible, so amazing, so phenomenal to them, then it was a natural reaction once they left Jesus' presence to go and tell somebody about Jesus. His first priority, look at it, was to go and find Andrew, his brother. Let me ask you a question. What is your first priority throughout the day? It ought to be that we get up in the mornings, or maybe when you go to bed at night, you're not a morning person, so you spend more time with Jesus at night before you go to bed, but however, whenever you do it, but it ought to be that once we've spent time with Jesus, because we know him and we love him, we can't help but share him, right? And we talked about that last weekend. If you weren't here, I'd encourage you to jump online and watch the message out of Romans chapter 9 where the Apostle Paul was so motivated to tell his own people about Christ that he basically said, I would be willing to go to hell if that's what it takes to reach my own people so they can go to heaven. Now, theologically, that was not possible, but that motivated him, that moved him because he had a love for the Lord, he had a love for the lost. Andrew had a love for the Lord, and because he had a love for the Lord, he had a love for the lost, and that was his first priority, going, telling people about Jesus. Now, you might be saying, man, alive, it seems like you've been beating this drum for a while. And I would say, you're exactly right, and we're going to keep beating it, because as long as there are people in our community who don't need Christ, we've got to keep going. As long as there's people in our county, we've got to keep going, who don't know Christ, we've got to keep going in our region in our state, in our nation, in our world. We've got to keep going. As long as there's people who have yet to hear the name of Jesus Christ, we can't sit here on Sunday morning in Northport, Florida and experience and enjoy the presence of Jesus Christ without being moved and motivated to make our priority his priority, which is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Is there anybody in the house that believes that this morning? Because if it does, if it's true, We've got to. We've got to. And, 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 and hey, Andrew said, man, i got to go. It wasn't as if he had to be motivated. He could not wait to do what Jesus had done for him. Because the scripture says that he said, we found the Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one. He's the one we've been praying for for centuries. They've been praying, dreaming, thinking about the coming of the Messiah. Here's the one that our ancestors talked about, prophesied about. He is here. And I've met him, and I want you to meet him. He was excited about Jesus. By the way, let me ask you a question. Are you excited about Jesus this morning? I mean, does the thought of Jesus excite you? And his love for you fire you up? What happens when you're excited about something? You want to share it with other people. And that's, that's normal. That's natural. You go to a nice restaurant or a new restaurant that opens up, you have a great experience there, what do you do? You tell your friends about it, right? Is that not true? Or perhaps, you know, you, you experience something for the first time. Maybe you, you go to a spring training game and it's the first time to go. And you're like, man, a lot. That was so much fun. You've got to go. Or, or whatever your hobby is. Maybe you go fishing and you catch some fish. You, you, you got to get out there. You got you to go fishing. I mean, you get excited about what you're passionate about. Well, a few weeks ago, probably only two weeks ago, we were at dinner at our home. My wife makes dinner for us, amazing dinners each night, and, and uh, after we finish dinner, she eats very, very healthy, cooks healthy, and she, she gets some ice cream out, and she has some chocolate and cement ice cream, and that's not like her. And she's all excited to tell me about this unbelievable ice cream. It's called Halo 
ice cream. How many of you ever heard of Halo ice cream? All right. I had not heard of it either. Okay. And so this Halo ice cream, she's so pumped up because it's low calories, it's low fat, it's high in protein, and it tastes really, really, really good. So here she is. She's got her chocolates ice cream, her mint ice cream. She's eating a little bit, and again, that's not like her at all. I mean, she, she's, I mean she's really enjoying it. She's going nonstop. This stuff is unbelievable. This is, this is phenomenal. you got to try it. I'm like, that's okay. Thank you. No, it's really, um, this is incredible. I was like, wow, it only comes in a, in, in a pint size. Yeah, it only comes in, how much does it cost? Well, I don't know. Why, why would you even look at prices at the grocery store? Yeah, she's not here. Pray for me. She's probably watching online. So when I go home, anyway, yeah. But seriously, she, she's sick today, so, so hopefully prayer. she got this flu or bug or whatever's going around, this cold stuff. So anyway, so she's like so excited about it. It's so good, and she was loving it so much. She's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post about this. So she puts it on Instagram. She gives this thing about how awesome it is, all these things. And all of a sudden, people that we're friends with here, here in the church, here in the area, people we know, are like, man, I went and got some of that Halo ice cream. That is really, really good stuff. It's incredible. It's awesome. It's phenomenal. So you know what happened? She's like, well, you know, they have several flavors. The next night, she brings me some. Let's say that my pint made it for two sittings. That's all. And I had to be disciplined because it really was good stuff. It is good stuff. So by the way, if you decide to go out this afternoon and buy some Halo ice cream, go rob a bank before you go because it's not cheap. That's why we don't eat a whole lot of it around our house. But it is good stuff, right? Now, my wife was so fired up about it, she had to tell everybody. And by the way, she's more excited about Jesus, and I'm grateful that's the kind of woman she is. In fact, last week, she, she pulled me aside before this worship experience and said, guess what? You're not going to believe this. I'm so excited. And she named the name of someone from a place that she likes to go eat who she had invited to come to service, and she was here today. And by the way, if you want to change the way you view our worship experiences, you get busy bringing friends with you, and you're going to start seeing things through their eyes, experiencing things through their eyes, and being like Andrew, bringing people to Jesus. A lot of you are sitting on your hands this morning. I want to ask you a question. Is Jesus worth knowing? Is Jesus worth loving? Is Jesus worth sharing? Let's get out of here and let's go do something about it. I'm not trying to be negative or in kind, but man, alive. How can we not be excited about Jesus? Man, he's done so much for me. Andrew, he experienced Jesus and man, alive. He had to get out and about. And his first priority is bring people to Jesus. And that should be ours. That is ours as a church. And it is hard work, which we've talked about. Second thing, his passion. Look at what happened. The scripture says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. So Andrew had the right priorities. His priorities drove his passion. By the way, too often our passions drive our priorities. And if they're biblically correct, that should be the case. But one reason people are not bringing other people to Jesus is because we don't love the Lord like we should. And if we don't love the Lord like we should, we're not going to have the passion for the lost that we should. Andrew had a passion for the lost because he had a passion for the Lord. And didn't Jesus say the number one command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So how can we allow our neighbors to die without knowing about Jesus Christ? If we love the Lord, we're going to love our neighbors. We're going to love our friends and family. I ask you a question. Do you have brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, kids, grandkids, spouses, grandparents who don't know Christ? 
We need to go Andrew on them. Our first priority ought to be to talk to them about Jesus. And our passion should be to go and find them. Now, you can just let your mind go so many different ways with this text. I don't know how long it took for him to find him. I don't know what difficulties he had to go to to find him. But he found him, nevertheless. And Jesus gives us those examples in the gospel of Luke chapter 15 where he talks about finding lost things. He gives three different stories of, of lostness. He talks about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. One of the sheep is lost. What did Jesus say the good shepherd does? He leaves the 99. He goes and he finds the so that tells me, as awesome as this gathering is this morning, we've got to leave this gathering and we've go out, go out this week and we've got to find the? Because there are a lot of ones out there who need Jesus Christ. So, so that's countercultural because it's so easy to have this inward focus. And that's why most churches do not grow by reaching non-believers. It's us for, it's no more. It's all about me. It's about having my needs want, my likes want. And the day and the time that your likes and your needs aren't met, you go church shopping for a church that will find, that you can find that will meet your needs and your wants. My dear friend, let me tell you something. We do not exist for those who are already here. We exist for those who aren't here yet. And as soon as the church really gets that in their heart and their mind, that church will explode for reaching those who aren't here yet. But as long as we have church for those who are here, you're not going to reach those who are not here. And by the way, and I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I devoted my life to the study of this subject. And it's a joy. But it's a sadness because across America, churches are closing, churches are dying while they're in a sea of people. How could that be? How in the world could a church go out of business when they're surrounded by people? Churches go out of business because they went out of business before they went out of business. Because when you go out of business, it's just a matter of time before you're going to go out of business. Because if your business is not reaching those who are far from God, you have no business calling yourself a church. Just go ahead and call it what it is. It's a club. It's a community center. Jesus said, you are to go. He said it like this. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So guess what, church? We've got an amazing opportunity right here in our region and in our world. But we've got to have the eyes that Jesus has, the heart that Jesus has, and the eyes and the heart that Andrew had. And he had those eyes and hearts because he spent time with Jesus. He has priorities straight because of his passion. And by the way, Jesus talked about leaving the, the 99, find the one. He tells a story about a woman who had 10 silver coins. She lost one. She turns the house upside down until she finds it. Just as the shepherd rejoices when he finds the one, she rejoices when she finds the, the coin. And then he tells the story of a man who had two sons. One leaves, parties, goes way out there. The bottom line is there's rejoicing when he came home. And the most exciting place in all the planet ought to be the local New Testament church as we see people's lives being changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. By the way, when you go to the, to the uh, hospital, what's the most exciting place of the hospital? 
is not the morgue. It's the maternity area. Is that not true? So why should we come to church and act like we're at the morgue when we are a birthing place church? Because by the grace of God and for the glory of God, regularly people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So we have something to be excited about. And if you're like, can you give me scripture for that? The answer is absolutely, because on one occasion, Jesus' disciples came to him and talked about how awesome it is to cast out devils and demons and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus said, don't rejoice over that. You rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It is recorded in heaven. That ought to give everybody reason to rejoice. Is anybody with me this morning? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you're like here and like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got good news to you. Today can be your day. And maybe you're here because a friend or family member invited you or you're joining us online because you're checking out what it means to know and follow Jesus. We're extraordinarily happy, grateful, thankful for that. And we are talking about all this because our master told us to talk about it. And therefore, we want to do whatever it takes to communicate the love of Jesus to you, your friends, your families who yet to know Jesus Christ. His passion, he went after them. But look at his persuasion. I, lo I love this story. Because the scripture says in verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus. So he's got his priority. The first thing he did was go and find him. We see his passion. He had to find him. And then we see his persuasion. He brought him to Jesus. Now, I don't know if there are any obstacles to overcome or not. But normally, there are going to be some when it comes to trying to bring people to Jesus. But what I've learned is 100% of the people that I don't try to bring to Jesus don't come to Jesus because I tried to bring them. That was deep. Did you get it? 100% of the people that I never try to bring to Jesus never come to Jesus because I tried to bring them. 2% in the local church are inviting their friends and family who don't know Christ. Prayerfully, our percentage is better. However, I believe with all my heart that it needs to be drastically better, and we've got to do what Andrew did. We've got to go and bring people to Jesus. Now, there's this big debate out there. And again, I don't want to go too theological or technical on you, uh, but, but, but there's this debate out there among church leaders on what church is about and all that stuff. I believe it's very clear. Jesus said, go make disciples. We've talked about that. The essence of evangelism is making disciples. The end of, a, of, end of discipleship is evangelism. It's multiply. But then there's this, this thing of, well, should the church be attractional or missional? What does that mean? Well, missional meaning, some say, well, you know, everything ought to be to where the believers in the church go out to the weak, share Christ, lead people to Christ, and bring them to church. The answer is yes. But on the other hand, what about being attractional? Should you really do the kinds of things to do whatever it takes to, to bring people in so they can hear the gospel? The answer is yes, because you find both in the gospels. Jesus said to go. Everybody say go. But he also said to bring. Everybody say bring. So you go and you bring. your missional and attractional. We're to live life as a mission trip all week long so that we can be inviting people, as Jesus said, go to the highways and the hedges, do whatever it takes, and compel them to come in that my house may be full. And that's exactly what Andrew did. He brought him to Jesus. Whatever it takes 
He brought him. And as a church, we've been a whatever-it-takes church. And, and I understand sometimes people may feel uncomfortable. Believe it or not, I get uncomfortable. But you know what? It's not about me. And I, last time I looked at the crucifixion story, there's nothing comfortable about the cross. There's nothing comfortable about what Jesus did for us. So we have a short-term opportunity to get uncomfortable so that people might have a long-term eternal opportunity to be comfortable. So if Jesus is willing to give up his comfort so that you and I could be eternally comfortable, then you and I are to be willing to give up our comfort so that others might be eternally comfortable. Is anybody picking up what I'm laying down this morning? Anybody with me? That's biblical. Andrew did that. He went seeking, he went searching, he went looking. And he brought him to Jesus. So that's what we're supposed to be doing all week long. Now the interesting thing is that I don't believe he went to him and said, hey, listen, man, I, I listen, I, our pastor's been talking about bringing people all the time at church, and quite honestly, I'm tired of hearing it. Would you please come with me this week because I'm just tired of hearing it. Maybe he'll move on to another topic. First of all, if you've been attending South Biscayne long, you know that for 27 years this has been the theme. As long as Jesus will give me breath and I'm going to be part of this church, that shall continue to be the theme. And I, I really mean that because that's the theme of the New Testament that Jesus gave us. So he didn't go like that. I also don't believe he said, hey, listen, man, I know you probably aren't interested. I, I, I know it's not your thing and it's not what you do. But listen, by the way, would you possibly maybe come with me? This, and I want you to, just, just, would you just come meet Jesus? No. I believe he went to him and said, listen, man, the one we prayed for, the one we dreamed for, the one we've looked forward to coming is here. His name is Jesus. You got to come and meet him. You're like, well, wait a minute. That's different for them. No, here's how it is. Listen. You knew what my life was like before I met Jesus, don't you? And you're talking to your friends who don't know Christ, your family who don't, don't know Christ. And you know, man, I'll tell you one thing. Since I met Christ, my life has been changed. And they should be able to see that your life has changed. I'm going to say that again. They should see that your life has changed. And they should know about the joy and the peace and the hope that you now have in Jesus Christ and that when everybody else is going crazy and bonkers because the world's going crazy and bonkers, you have a sense of solitude and serenity because of the Savior. And they don't have that sense of solitude and serenity because of the Savior. But once they understand the reason you got a sense of solitude and serenity is because of the Savior, then they too are going to want to know that Savior because they need the same serenity and solitude, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. And that's exactly what... Andrew, I believe, said, hey, man, come on. You've got to meet Jesus. And by the way, I don't think Andrew had any idea how God was going to use Peter. One touched thousands. One touched thousands. Now, watch this real quickly, and, and I've got to move forward. But imagine over here, on the scale is someone far from God. They don't know Christ. And imagine the table represents the point they become a follower of Jesus Christ. So please lean in closely and listen carefully. Here's somebody way over here far from God. Oh, man, I don't know about him. I don't know about her. Aren't you glad one day Jesus came seeking for you? Because he's still in the seeking business. He is still in the seeking business. You know that. I love all of you so much, but I'm going to encourage you to joyfully celebrate that fact. Are you grateful Jesus Christ came seeking for you? Yeah, there we go. I love you. But man, we've got to be excited about this. He did. You're over here far, far from God. But someone was praying for you. Someone's praying. You're praying for someone. 
and they get a little closer. Maybe they're driving down the road, their radio's scanning, they hear a song, the tune kind of catches them. The song is about the hope found only in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross that kind of gets them to thinking and it gets their attention. And then maybe a friend invites them to church, but they don't go, but that gets their attention. There's, these people are still praying for them. Then perhaps Easter rolls around or Christmas rolls around. They come with them. That starts to, again, develop more. Then they meet somebody because they got questions on what it means to follow Jesus. They begin to unpack and hear, hear you know, really what that means and what that looks like. And then maybe they're going through a tough time in their life and someone has says, hey, listen, man, I want you to know Jesus loves you and, and, and we we're praying for you and through all of this the greatest thing could happen is for you to come to know Christ and all along they're taking steps and steps and steps to Christ and then the day comes that someone invites them perhaps a church like ours and all of a sudden while they're there they say yes to Jesus Christ but let me just let me hang on just a second let me ask you a question are all those people part of the process yes or no are all going to be rewarded in heaven yes or no guarantee you they will be because Paul said some plant some water but God gives the increase and then they get in a Bible teaching church, hopefully like ours, and they go through the growth track. They start to grow and mature, and then they start serving. They start to learn what it means to pray and to read the Word of God and to memorize the Bible, the scriptures in the Bible, and then verses to help them fight off the evil one. And then all of a sudden, they start to share their story. They start to, start to put God first financially, and they're inviting others. They become a full court follower of Jesus Christ, and they multiply. That's what we're called to do. And by the way, Peter's multiplication was unbelievable because Peter oh yeah we know who Peter was he's the guy that denied Jesus cursed and swore he didn't know him right before his crucifixion but he's also the, the guy that was restored by Jesus right after his resurrection I'm glad Jesus gives us second third and fourth and fifth and one millionth chances aren't you watch this and then on the day that the church was birthed and born the day the Holy Spirit of God came down on the day of Pentecost Peter stood up and he told everybody about Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, how Jesus died on the cross for you, your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world, how they buried him on the third day he arose and he preached the gospel, the good news, and the Bible records that that day around 3,000 people said yes to Jesus Christ, 3,000. So one impacted thousands. Now, I don't know who the ones you and I impact will impact. That's not ours to do. Our job is to focus on the one. Because every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every name knows people who need Jesus. And so Peter just, or excuse me, Andrew just focused on doing his job. And God then took over. Like, Wait a minute, that, that's again a mystery. Is it all of God or all of man? The answer is it's all of God, but yet he uses people. That's just the bottom line. I can't understand that it's bigger than me. And anybody who tells you they've got it figured out, don't have it figured out. There's the there's divine sovereignty of God at work and the responsibility to man at work. And when we do our part, God's always going to do his part. 3,000. One day. One. 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 Let me close with this. How many of you have ever heard of a man named Edward Kimball? Anybody in the house ever heard of Edward Kimball? Okay. All three of our worship experiences, this has been the case. No one's heard of him. Edward Kimball, and I understand, no, no big deal. I was just curious. Edward Kimball lived in the 1800s. He, he taught 
teenage boys about Jesus. We called it Sunday school on Sunday mornings. He had a group of rowdy teenage boys. One of them was particularly out there. He was totally illiterate about the things of God, the Word of God. Had no clue. Clueless. Uh, was very unlearned with the English language, just in general. Uh, was kind of, you know, um, I guess outgoing and, and, and pretty bold. And Kimball was shy and timid. And God really put a burden in his heart for this young man. And so one day, on a Saturday, April 21, 1855, Kimball decided he would go down to Holton's Shoe Store in Chicago to visit this young man while he was there at work, to tell him about Jesus. He just really sensed God burdening his heart for him. And by the way, when that happens, you can know that burden is from the Lord. If you ever have a desire to tell somebody about Jesus, that's got to be from God, right? So he goes down there and he meets with this young man, but he was, before he got there, he was so timid, so fearful, so, he's such a very, very much an introvert, that he passed by the store and missed, you know, the door had to come back and go in. Then he was afraid to talk to him because he was afraid that this young man's buddies would taunt him, that is, the young man he was going to talk to, because this older man came in to talk to him about Jesus. So Kimball, shy, introverted, weak, timid man, in his own words, wrote that he gave what he called a weak appeal as he shared with him about Jesus. He basically said, I couldn't remember what I said, but basically talked about Christ and his love for this young man. And to his surprise, April 21, 1855, a man named, 18 years of age, D.L. Moody, said yes to Jesus. Some of you know who D.L. Moody is. D.L. Moody was used to God to shake America and Europe for the gospel. During his lifetime, approximately one million people became followers of Jesus Christ under his ministry. However, God used him to start what we know today as the Moody Bible Institute, which has trained thousands and thousands of men and women to share Christ with the nations uh, throughout the years. Moody Church, which is a great, wonderful Bible teaching church there in Chicago. The, the radio that we, a lot of us, listen to here in the area from time to time, great biblical teaching. That's, again, an outgrowth of the vision that God gave initially to D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was one to faith in Jesus Christ because a man who was very shy, very timid, very fearful, named Mr. Kimball, cared enough about his soul. By the way, adults, let me talk to you for a moment. If Salpas gains your home, let me share with you something in love. We've got thousands of children in our community and thousands of teenagers who need Jesus. And we need adults like a Mr. Kimball. We have some amazing ones, but we need more. Who will care enough about their soul to work with them on Wednesday nights and on the weekends. Because let me tell you something. We don't know who God may use us to reach. But the bottom line is our responsibility is not what happens other than us doing what we're supposed to do and trusting God with the results. But I'll tell you one thing, we will give an account for what we did or did not do with the amazing opportunities God's given us. And this church 
has, you're like, well, man, I see young people everywhere. Praise God, but there's a lot more to be reached. I heard our children's ministry growing. It is, praise God, but that means we need more workers. We need more Mr. and Mrs. Kimball's. Because you don't know who the one life you may touch, how God may use them. And by the way, D.L. Moody initially was so unlearned about the things of God and, and didn't know all the churchy language. He was so far from God, which is, again, our target audience, that when it came time for him to be interviewed to possibly become a member of his church, he was denied membership because he didn't know all the right terminology. So you know what Mr. Moody did? He wasn't mad or angry. He, he had such a heart for the kids in the slums of Chicago that he went and started a Sunday school for these kids, and that Sunday school eventually grew to 2,000 children. 2,000 children, and then eventually became what we know today as Moody Church. You never know who that one may touch. We need some more Mr. and Mrs. Kimballs here at South Piscine. Oh, by the way, Moody was used of God to preach to thousands and thousands of people. And again, he, laughed, he was laughed at people because his grammar was so bad and he was unlearned in so many different ways. But God used him mightily. And one of the people who came to faith in Christ under his ministry was a man named Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman, long story short, also was used of God. Thousands of people came to faith in Christ in his ministry. And he held huge tent evangelistic events used to call them crusades meaning by that it was an opportunity for non-believers to come because believers brought them and many many came to faith in christ and under wilbur chapman's ministry one young professional baseball player came to faith in christ named billy sunday billy sunday was a super outgoing uh colorful figure kind of guy i mean he was way before his time jesus so ambushed his life he was telling everybody about jesus again had a huge crowds thousands and thousands would come and he would preach the gospel in creative ways he was way before his time he used all kind of visual tools to help communicate the gospel and illustrations and stories and he would get so fired up because he loved the game of baseball still that, that, that he would talk about, you know, something like, you know, life being like a game of baseball, going around the bases, whatever. And it is said that D.L. Moody, from time to time, would talk about heaven being home plate. And he would get so fired up while he was preaching, he'd run across the stage, and then he would slide into home saying, he is safe, and you too can be safe one day when you die at your home in heaven. I mean, this guy was something else. But do you see what happened? Kimball led Moody to Christ. Wilbur Chapman came to Christ under his ministry, Moody's ministry. Billy Sunday comes to Christ under the ministry of Wilbur Chapman. And then one day while Sunday was preaching, one of the people who said yes to Christ was a man named Mordecai Ham. Some of you don't know that name perhaps either, and I understand. I understand, but I would encourage you to go study some of these guys. Well, Mordecai Ham, again, God used him mightily. Thousands came to faith in Christ under his ministry, traced all the way back to a timid, shy Sunday school teacher, Mr. Kimball. And one night, Mordecai Ham was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina. The place was packed. You couldn't get anyone else, Harley, and it was a tent meeting. And two teenage boys came in the back because they wanted to see what was going on. They wanted to hear what was going on. One of those boys' parents had been praying for him to say yes to Jesus. They came in because the place was so full, 
They were leaving. And then one of the ushers saw them leaving and said, hey guys, don't leave. Come on back, I'll find you two seats. Did you hear that, ushers? Can we thank God for the ushers who serve at South Biscayne each week? It is a difficult job. Ushers, never underestimate the power of your ministry, the impact of your ministry. They brought the two boys in, found them a place to sit, and that night, when Mordecai Ham gave the opportunity for people to say yes to Jesus Christ, those two boys made decisions for Christ. One of them's name is Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Do you see how the ministry of multiplication works? Let's go back all the way from Kimball. And then you see the ministry of Kimball touching Moody, Moody touching Chapman, Chapman touching Sunday, Sunday touching Mordecai Ham, Billy Graham, Mordecai Ham touching Billy Graham. Millions come to faith in Christ and his ministry. There are people all around the globe today serving Jesus because of that amazing ministry. And the gospel continues to go forth because of that amazing ministry. To God be the glory. And by the way, to kind of personalize it, one of our own pastors in our own area in Inglewood, Florida, Pastor Gary Clark, who's a friend of mine, Fellowship Church. His mom in North Carolina one Saturday night was listening to a man preach on TV named, guess who, Billy Graham. Crazy, unbelievable story. His mom became a follower of Jesus Christ. That impacted Gary's life. And obviously for the last probably 30 years, Gary has been reaching people for Jesus in the Inglewood area. To God be the glory. That's just one story. That's just one story. And it all started with, say it with me. Let's bow for prayer. Who is your one that this week you will take Jesus to? The one. Can we get our priorities in direction that God wants them to be? Our priority one being loving God and loving people. Our priority God one being the great commandment, loving the Lord and God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the great commission, loving our neighbors ourselves. And let that passion move us and drive us. You've got these invite cards. Hey, we got to get ready for Easter, but I, I, as awesome as it is, how about next weekend? If you're coming to church alone, it's highly probable you're going to go to heaven alone. And God doesn't want that. Our goal should be to be used by Jesus to, to multiply, to take as many people to heaven with us as we can. And we need to be willing to do whatever it takes to do that. So would you pray right now for the one and would you begin praying that God would give you a sensitive heart this week to share Christ with friends and family and neighbors and start inviting them to this weekend coming up. And yeah, in Easter as well. We're going to wrap this service up by singing that chorus of the song, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forever. We as followers of Christ can do that, but there are people who've yet to follow Jesus, and in order for them to praise Him, they got to know Him, and in order for them to know them, somebody's got to tell them, and that's you and me. So let's pray right now that God would do that. And if you're here today and you've never chosen to follow Jesus, again, 
You might be saying, man, alive, is this what this is all about? The answer is yes. It's all about us taking the love and the life of Jesus to you because one day we were right where you are and someone brought Jesus to us and brought us to Jesus. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And right here, right now, you can call on his name and just tell him you, you want him to forgive you of your sins. You ask him to change your life. You want to repent. That means you're saying, Jesus, not just I'm sorry, I'm asking you to change me. Surrender your life to him. And from this day forward, you want to follow him. The Bible says whoever calls his name will be saved. So would you do that right here, right now? And then would you please text me or email me and one of our leaders will be in touch with you or perhaps go by the double, uh, the, the welcome center through the double doors to the right, information center, and someone there will be glad to talk to you, answer questions, because if you chose to follow Christ, that's not the end, it's just the beginning. And by the way, if you have made that decision, we want to encourage you to be biblically baptized, whether it's recently or maybe several weeks ago or months ago. Again, email us, let us know that. But could we stand and pray together? And after we pray, we're going to begin to sing praise to our Lord. Father, I pray that you'll give courage to those who in this room have never said yes to you for the first time to do so today. Maybe those watching us online to do so today. Give us a burden and a passion as we leave this place today, Lord, to go to the ones this week in our lives, even today, if we go out to eat for lunch or go home to our neighborhood, to let people know how awesome you are. We pray this in the sweet and mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.